Thought Bubble Audio. Look, up in the sky! You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Welcome to Beer with Geeks with Tim and Frank. Who are you? I'm Batman. I am Iron Man. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Hi, Christopher. I'm Nero. My name is Inigo Montoya. You're a wizard, Harry. A couple of guys with a couple of beers and a whole lot of pop culture nostalgia. Make it so, number one. Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. Name the dog in the ant. Life finds a way. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Now sit back and crack open a cold one. Because it's time for Beer with Geeks. It comes in paints? Shaken, not stirred. Great Scott! I was way off. I knew it started with an S, though. Hi, and welcome to Beer with Geeks, where two geeks geek out with beer. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves the new year, and loves new things, and loves time hopping, and probably other stuff, too. Frank, how are you today? Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. 2020 doesn't feel like a real year. I know, 2020. We're in the 20s now. We're in the roaring 20s. Oh, I'm in my 20s again. Oh, oh man. <laughs> Miss it's those. Nice. Yeah. It's great. It's nice. Uh, it's nice. Yeah. Well, how yeah. are you doing, my friend? I am doing I am doing quite well. What a new year it's been already. Stuff's happened probably. Um, Christmas and whatever else. So yeah, life's good. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm happy to be back with you. We took a little time off, but it's good to be back. It is nice to be back. Nice Christmas vacation we had. Yeah, yeah. Do you exactly. Get, do you get trapped and, in the attic at all or are you fine? No, yeah. no, no. That, luckily. <laughs> Okay, Luckily, good. Yeah, that was my one Christmas vacation reference that I can <laughs> reference because the only part of the movie I ever remember. Did have a whole thing where like I became Santa and like uh, went to the North Pole and like I woke up and you know no one remembered any of it, but but my son kept telling me that we went to the anyway. It was weird, but 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 we uh but we we got hold on. That. I have several questions. One, Santa's real? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Two, you have a son? Question mark. Mm-hmm. Three, three, you wear pajamas? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rose such a ladder. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love the Santa Claus. No, I was actually over before Christmas. We had our, our work Christmas party and we played this like big game. You got to answer questions and make a fool of yourself. Blah, 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 blah. And somebody said, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And they said, the Santa Claus. Nice. And I wanted to give them a hug. Love like, that movie. I you. think it's under like underappreciated, but I love it. Yep. Me too. Um, my wife and I watched it when we decorated the tree. Actually, that was the movie we had on. Awesome. Yeah. Great choice. Was, yeah. Oh, excellent choice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, how was how's your new year been? It's been it's been all right. It's been great. I'm celebrating with uh with not with champagne but with the champagne of beers, Miller High Life. Ooh. <laughs> Feeling fancy. <laughs> That's champagne. The champagne of, of beers. beers is what they call no, it. No, it is. You're right. Champagne. You're right. Um I am celebrating uh I'm celebrating the 2020s with a very old beer, a Yingling. Ooh. Um, the oldest brewery in America. Yes indeed, going backwards through going backwards through time love it uh, yeah crazy how the world is the same probably it's, yeah exactly yingling's good old traditional lager yes that's all good it's all good love it uh Ying, i mean yingling's like a good party beer because everyone likes it you can just put one you can just put it in the fridge and people are like "Ooh, fancy yingling <laughs> it's a crowd pleaser and it's a crowd pleaser but it feels fancy for some reason it does. maybe because it's it, it's fairly new to new england I think and, that's it. I remember when it came to New England, when it started getting mm-hmm. distributed here like five, six years ago. 
All right, old man, shut up. Well, just because I, <laughs> I remember when it came to New England. My, my point no, is, I'm just, I'm just... it's everywhere in New York, so it wasn't special to me. Oh. And then I came okay. here, I moved here, and about you know, a year or two into me living here, it came here, and everyone was like, dude, we get Yingling now. And I was like, yeah. That's like, yeah. That's like Budweiser or Coors when I come. Like, it, in, the, in the sense that it's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. So, yeah. like, I mean, it's good. It's better than Budweiser or Coors, but like, yeah. it's just, oh, but is it oh, better oh, is than special? Miller Highlight? Okay, cool. Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, everyone was excited, and I was like, I mean, I'm not against it. I'm just like, not as excited as you. But um, but I do, I do enjoy Yingling. I really do. So good choice. Thank I mean, you. Lots of good choices all around. Thank so, you. So let's um, we haven't talked comics in a while. Oh man, haven't we not? Mostly because we're working married adults and don't have time to read comics the way that we used to when we were in college or single. Yeah, you know, used to come home, sit on the couch, be like, I'm gonna read some comic books now. I'm like, gonna come home and do chores and come home and chat with my loved ones and yeah come yeah home. Exactly. yeah like, oh i want to spend quality time with my wife weird how that works huh yeah right, um right. yeah and then right, you end right. up just like scrolling through your phone as they through their <laughs> next, phone but next like, to each other so, yeah but so. yeah you technically could still be reading the comic but you just don't i guess yeah <laughs> so. it's a different kind of focus you know it's it is a it is a completely different kind of focus i think it, it, it's funny because i don't think if you if you don't do it you don't get it yeah if that makes sense Yeah. no totally yeah yeah but anyway, speaking of not getting things uh, on a t- in a timely manner, um, uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, Dooms, uh, Doomsday, hilariously titled Doomsday Clock, a thing that you know tells time in an orderly manner. Um, um, finally finished over at DC Comics. This is the um, superhero DC Comics Watchmen crossover event by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank and Brad Anderson. If you want to get into the colorists and stuff. Um, that wasn't even in front of me. I'm pretty sure that's correct information. No, you're absolutely right. I'm looking at it. Am right. I? Yes. Yes. I wish I knew who the inker was. I like giving credit to everybody. Did Gary Frank ink his own stuff? Don't think so. It actually doesn't say. It just says pencilers, uh, Gary Frank, uh, letterer, Rob Lee, colorist, Brad Anderson, and then it goes oh, I wonder if Gary Frank does ink his own stuff. Maybe he does ink his own stuff. I don't know. It's, there's no, there's no inker uh, listed here, so. Inks his own. Cool. Well, anyway, Doomsday Clock finally finishes 12-part series. Uh, about the um, Watchmen, uh, Watchmen characters kind of in some way invading the DC universe, and uh, I quite honestly stopped reading around issue five because it was getting so delayed that I was like, I'm, I had to keep going back to issue one to remember what was happening. Yeah, so I just stopped reading it. I was getting them. I just stopped reading it. It was and twelve then, issues that took two years to come out. Right. Yeah, it took double the amount of time that it should have. Right. However, I'd rather get consistent, good storytelling and art and wait two years because now that it's over, it doesn't really matter that I waited two years. Exactly. You know? And so I got consistency from start to finish because they took their time. Totally, totally okay with that. I'd rather have a consistent product on an inconsistent time scale. Yes, me too. Absolutely. So, which leads to the question, what did you think of Doomsday Clock? Um, I had the same feeling where I just started started to lose investment in it at a certain point because I needed to like go back to the start and sort of refresh my memory so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually really dig the ending, and I really love how they are sort of re. This was not really a you know crisis, but it is sort of a universe reshaping event in in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, and I really really dig the direction that they're taking it, and like. It's basically what you would expect from someone like Jeff Johns to like the direction you'd expect him to take 
the universe. Like, let's rebuild this whole... The, the moral of the story for me is, like, the DC universe is built around Superman. And, yeah, and, and that like, is, that's it. That's, that's the moral of, of Doomsday Clock. Do you think that was the original intention of Doomsday Clock? I'm um, not really sh- Kind of. Kind of, because going back to Rebirth number one, mm-hmm. there was, there was a, a fair bit of, um, and I need to go back and read that again now in light of Doomsday Clock, but mm. that definitely kicked this off, right? And there was already, connections between Superman and Dr. Manhattan that were being made there mm. um, mm-hmm. that I feel like paid off here. I feel like Jeff Johns usually has a blueprint in his mind of where he wants to take these things. That's true. He very rarely deviates from his original intention because he sets everything up so early that he has to know where it ends. And he might change a few pieces here and there, but it's a right. co- very consistent book. Um, some characters get dropped a little bit. That was the thing I found a little incon- incon- excuse me, inconsistent, where I wasn't really sure who I was supposed to be following the whole time, if that makes sense. Like, so if I was to compare it to Watchmen, um, like it, Alan Moore is c- pretty fairly consistent in who's your main, who are your main players, and who is your supplement, or who are your supplemental players that play a, an important part in the plot. Right, right. And this one, I'm not really sure, like. For a book that basically centered, uh, book's basic message was Superman is really important. He's actually really not super involved in the majority of the story. Mm -hmm. He commonly comes in like a force of nature, uh, and then things start to kind of revolve around. Um, But it is it is definitely more of a, a vehicle for Watchmen characters than it is for characters in the DC universe, which I liked because. There are a lot of stories with characters in the DC universe. There's not a whole lot with the Watchmen characters. Right. Right. I enjoy, I enjoy that. I think it's also quite fascinating that many of the same characters were the ones that popped up in the Watchmen television show. Mm, which I haven't finished yet, but I'm very excited to do so. Oh, okay. I have finished it. They actually finished on the same week, which is yeah, crazy. Yeah, that is funny that the timing worked out that way. Yeah, it could have been company synergy. I mean, they could have very easily have wanted to, like, they knew it was going to end up aligning this way and so maybe the delays were on purpose like in that like they started to be like okay we got to like help people finish and need more time to wrap up and it be consistent and blah 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 but maybe it then became like oh like well it's going to wrap up this way it's going to it's going to wrap on the same week um anyway um let's start at the very beginning cuz it's a very good place to start um, when you read, you begin with Doomsday Number One. one. <laughs> I, I, the nine-panel grid. Do you do you like that? Like the world found out that Adrian Veidt messed with everybody, and that I his plan do. actually failed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do too. It's that. It's the idea that you can't you can't hide the truth forever. I think, and so that he is the, he may be the one of the smartest men in the world, self-proclaimed, according to the story, self-proclaimed smartest men in the world, but uh, he, even he can't foresee everything. Right. And I think that's, I mean, that's how Watchmen ends, right? With the newspaper getting the, the Rorschach journal and, you know, so like, we know it's going to unravel for him. Right. But right. Do you find that for a guy, for a genocidal maniac, like, do you find that he 
gets his comeuppance, I guess. Um, does he get his comeuppance? Probably not the way he deserves. Mm. What would you say he deserves? Uh, uh, like a trial at the Hague. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Well, like, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, but uh, but he got some comeuppance. Mm. He did. I mean, he's going to jail. You know, so on and so forth. So it's all good. I actually have a question. A large. This is completely different. Is this the supposed to be the regular DC universe? Uh yeah. I think this is the new DC universe. I think this is the rebirth DC universe. Um, the metaverse. Okay. Right. So so let's. I want to unpack all of that. But it, like the their costumes, like Batman's costume, is not his regular. DC Universe, current DC Universe costume. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm confused that like, they talked about Superman being like, this is the metaverse and this is the like, where everything comes from. So like, is the Rebirth Universe a different like, is that a different world that we're reading right now and this is the metaverse? Hmm. I hadn't noticed the costume differences to be honest. You always pick up on that more than I, than I do. So I, 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 I hadn't noticed that. So that does make me question things. I was taking it sort of at face value of this is the this is the universe that was sort of created at the beginning of rebirth that that Dr. Manhattan was almost did what the monitor uh, anti-monitor did mm-hmm. um in Crisis on Infinite Earths where like he created a new a new universe and this is the like he's the creator going forward. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I that's kind of how I took it too on like on first on first reading but like Batman's got a yellow bat symbol mm, I didn't he's, got a ye- he's got the he's got the yellow oval and then about um maybe three-fourths of the way through the book maybe issue nine ten or eleven now all of a sudden he's in like regular batman like like the one you see in the regular costume now which oh. is what made me think like I, w- I wonder if this was the original intention um and it actually it became something it became something else uh. by the end because it I think it was supposed to be like I wonder if it was like literally supposed to be its own story, not connected at all, or in some way, and then it ended up becoming connected and it became the metaverse instead of the like I'm not exactly sure I, I wanna know the history of this book because it sets up the next thousand years of DC stories, but where does that like wh- hold on, I have to I don't have it in front of me. If you wouldn't mind talking for a, sure. a second, yeah. say words. Uh, I'll say words. I, I, so I, one thing I think that, that, um, you're, you're hinting at here is that the story is a, a bit difficult to follow. And maybe I feel that way because I read it over the course of two years and I need to, maybe I need to reread this, um, as a collected edition. In fact, I definitely, I definitely need to reread this as a collected edition. But um, maybe the fact that it took two years to to tell this story is part of the reason why I feel like it's a bit meandering and a bit hard to follow. I do feel like Jeff had a a a certain um, pillars of this story planted like in stone to begin with. So I don't think that that the fundamentals of where this is in continuity and stuff. I don't get the sense that that has changed over the last two years. I could be wrong, but I get the sense that the intent that that um happened like this feels like it mm-hmm. spins out of rebirth for me it feels like it yep. tells more of the story of rebirth and so i don't think that has changed but i do think that other elements of it may have changed 
I think that the Legion of Superheroes inclusion is a is an excellent yeah. tell in that it doesn't exactly fit. Actually, even the yep. Justice Society of America Society doesn't exactly too. fit because they're they got introduced recently within the last couple of months in Justice League. Like there's definitely some retconning going on. Yeah. So, but so like, which one am I supposed to like? Which one is the universe changing event? Because they this, both are universe changing events happening at the same time. This and is kind that's of the thing that happens. This is what happens though when these things get delayed like this, because sometimes, like this, probably was supposed to be published before that, and so this was supposed to maybe reintroduce those characters, and then you'd see them in in uh, where, where we've been seeing them in continuity. Do you know what I mean? Even like yep. Superman's Secret Origin, um, start came out and started being like, this is the new fundamental. Uh, um, you know, origin of Superman, and by the time it was finished publishing, parts of it were already outdated because mm-hmm. because the the two sides weren't weren't really like the Jeff and and Gary Frank publishing Superman's Secret Origin weren't talking to the creative team working. Um, or I, I don't know if they weren't talking, but like the stories didn't line up. The stories didn't line up. Um, so I feel like that's more of a function of it being delayed than it is like a choice of let's change it. I, that's how I read it, or how I kind of think these things. Um, get made. Yeah, I think I think I think you're I think you are correct. Um, they still don't they still don't exactly add up. But I no. think you're right in that this is Doomsday Clock is the new status quo story moving forward. Like like I love the idea that Earth One or Earth Zero, whatever you want to call it, is the metaverse. The Everything, everything in that universe is what informs the rest of the multiverse. Yes, I I love that idea. Love that it. everything it, else it all echo spins. Of that. Yeah, I think that is a brilliant concept. You know, because that's kind of how it always has been. You know, like it, this is the main universe, blah blah blah. But like for them to give it a new term and to like put it concretely in a story, I think that's that's really really strong. Um, I codified it. And I, I love that Dr. Manhattan is the reason for the new 52. Like, what happens yes. if I take hope out of this universe? I'm curious. Boom, new 52. That's what happens. Love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily negate the new 52, but it certainly, it actually hones in on what was missing from those stories because they were supposed to be edgier and this and all that stuff. But when you take like to get edgy, you have to have characters not feel inspired, you know, so they, they, they're in a dark place. That's where the edgy comes from. And I thought that was really, really intelligent. It's really intelligent writing. Mm -hmm. Jeff John's main skill is retconning. That's like his really good. He's really good at, at, it's more than retconning when he, when he does it well, it's like, synthesizing two different things and making them feel like one, making them feel like one continuous story. Like here are these two separate versions of a story and how can we marry them in a way that they don't feel like they're completely from different worlds. He has a really, his biggest talent. That's his biggest talent. That's right. And he does it in a way, I think Grant Morrison is really good at that too, but he does it in a way that's a a little bit more um, confusing. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, more of a cosmic level, like, you know, yeah, confu- it can definitely get confusing. But Jeff Johns does it in sort of a plain, simple way where, like, he can almost explain it in a sentence. And it's just sort of like, oh, no, that suddenly works for me. Yep. So, like, this, so now every version of Superman and every version of the, of the DC Universe happens all over again. 
And so Superman does show up in 1938, and then he shows up in 1956, and then he shows up in 1985, and blah, blah, blah. It even says, actually, in here, where it says, Earth won after the crisis, after the first and greatest crisis, the Earth divides again. Mm-hmm. The Earth one becomes Earth 1985, right. a world unexplored even today. So even like that, like John Byrne era Superman, like all of that stuff, that's its own universe now. That yeah. had never been before. That's always been like the core universe. So, uh, but also 1985 universe unexplored today. That means we're getting some 1985 DC universe stories. Well, I you think know, you're I, right. I think you're right. So there was also something said um, towards the end of the issue when he starts flashing into the he's, he's flashing backwards right i think it's probably right around a couple pages away from where you are probably um and uh and then he talks about 2025 and in 2025 a crisis unlike the metaverse any metaverse sorry a crisis unlike any the met- metaverse has has seen one they will call time masters erupts it, is jeff telling us that in five years we're getting a new crossover called time masters because i kind of yes, feel like that's, uh, he, that's he absolutely happen. is well i can confirm some things on here i want to go back or page oh, backwards because great, great, great. So it says, after the flashpoint in this rebirth, Earth-52 is out there. I look beyond now. He says Earth-52 is out there. I wonder if that means, like, Earth, like, that's still out there. Like, the new 52, Earth-52. Like, it's still out there. It hasn't It hasn't really gone away yet. And then you said, at 2020, Superman's timeline is bombarded by the reckless energies of the old gods once again warping the metaverse. So that's it. That's the setup for the story. That's our new crossover. And that's... um. 2020 Superman's timeline is bombarded by reckless energies, the old gods once again warping the metaverse, which means in 2020, from 2020 to 2025, we're getting a new status quo for DC. And then in you get we're getting a new crisis called the Time Masters, which is a thing. Time Masters are a thing, Rip Hunter and all that mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. jazz. Yeah. And this week Superman is revitalized and his greatest allies return. So here's the thing. Um it says here at the bottom, an Earth 5G is born. In January 2026, the timeline is restored, and Earth 5G is born. That's what DC's been calling their new initiative. It's like out there in the world. It's been out there in the world for months already. Earth 5G? DC, Earth 5G. Not in comics, but like they've been talking to retailers about yeah, it, and here's yeah. the new plan, and like all this stuff. Bleeding Cool's been kind of like tracking its progress, sure. and bleedingcool.com, I should say, for people who don't know what Bleeding Cool is. Um, They've been tracking this. They've been tracking this progress where they where they've gone. DC's gone to retailers, be like, "Hey, this is what's happening. What do you think about it?" And you see some of that happening in like one of these panels on here. Batman's got his yellow oval with an old utility belt. Wonder Woman's wearing pants. Um, you get some. You get uh, you get an African American Wonder Woman uh in the corner near Batgirl and Nightwing. Donna Troy is back. There's some um, Aqualad is in here again. Luke Fox is wearing a bat suit. Mm. Like it's over and over again and, and it says in June seventeenth, twenty twenty six, that's my parents' anniversary. Um Superman goes on a quest to find Bruce Wayne's lost daughter so she can save Bruce's son. And so like I'm pretty sure like this is all out of the writer's room and this is like this wasn't Jeff's original intention. But this is kind of like, but he's now, now that everything's set in stone two years later, like he's telling you exactly what's happening in the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. um, and then secret, but I don't know, like, so now we get to 2030, like, 
secret crisis? Are they planning that far ahead? Are they planning 10 years ahead? That's where I start to feel like, yeah, like, is that is that is that real too? Like, is that also on a, on a roadmap somewhere at DC headquarters? Or is that just like, now we're just well, fantasizing? Well, <laughs> it know? may be because Secret Crisis is Marvel versus DC. Secret Wars, secret Crisis. Wars, yeah. the, these, right, Secret, right? That's like their thing is Secret. DC's thing is Crisis, Secret Wars. And it says right in here, it begins with Superman in a brawl across the universe with Thor. Thor, and I a, know. And a green behemoth stronger than even Doomsday who dies right. protecting Superman from these invaders. The that's Hulk. the Hulk. Right. So, like, that's a, is that a new DC Marvel crossover? I don't know. I like, But, like, why would they be telling us that? Like, how, how could they plan it 10 years from now and, and be like, all right, well, we're not going to do this for 10 years. Like, I, that's the part where I'm like, this can't be real. This must just be, like, a fun thing he threw in. Like, like as like one of many futures that could happen. I mean, it's very possible because they, like these things change. You know, obviously people get new ideas. Like I said, the the Legion thing doesn't exactly line up because of Bendis's plans with the Legion now that are happening uh, with their own book and Superman, the Justice Society. Like all this stuff is different than what is kind of already in here. But maybe this is the beginning of DC. Maybe this is the beginning to track like. DC and Marvel going, okay, yeah, throw that in there. See see if there's any traction on this. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. companies have been doing, last couple of years, there's been a lot of Dark Horse DC crossovers. Yes, definitely. And you know, like, they're like starting to talk to one another a little bit more because let's face it, the comics industry is not doing super well. Like it's doing okay, but it's not doing super well. And so they, they need to figure out new plans of survival. And if that means splitting uh, profits and whatever... No. I'm with you 100%. And they've done it already, right? We already got a DC, uh, Amalgam Comics, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we got like, Amalgam. This is, yeah, DC, JLA versus the Avengers in the right, 90s. Right. Uh, so that's not the part that I'm questioning. It's the timing. It's the, how can you say 10 years from now we're doing a crossover? Things change so much. So many different people will be in charge 10 years from now. Corporate uh, uh, priorities will be different. Um, who, how can you possibly say we're committing to doing this 10 years from now? So I don't think this is so much a commitment. I think you're more on track by saying, like, they're throwing the idea out there and, like, it'd be fun if we could make this happen. We're not mm-hmm. setting it in stone. Like, the 5G thing is set in stone. But the but yeah. the uh, uh, secret crisis uh, 10 years from now thing is probably more of a, this would be a fun thing that could happen. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't come to fruition, we'll look back and say, that was just one of many futures that could have that could have happened. Yeah, that Dr. I agree. I think we're set in stone until 2026, unless somebody gets a different idea. And then from there... We don't know because then we get to 2038, we get to, you know, 2038, 2162, so on and so forth. Like, obviously, Jeff Johns is not planning on that's it. Like, That's what's it. what's happening in 2162. Ag- agreed. Agreed. So I think that 2030 is where that starts to fork off into, the, like, the fantasy stuff. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which yeah. is fine. I, I do like his little line about, like, and, like, Superman comes into the 31st century, like, when, like when the world gets to the 31st century, like, everything kind of, like, weirdly aligns. Because right. that's where Superman like comes into what the Legion is. Like that's that's cool. It's cool thinking. This is what like gets me jazzercised about comics. You know? Yeah, man. Um, me too. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I I miss Jeff Johns being like more of a shaping voice in in the DC universe. Uh, you know, back in like the Blackest Night era and stuff like that. Um, and this feels like that again. This gives me that kind of excitement and that kind of um feeling of fun again. And I I mm, I, I I love it. I love it. I love him as like an architect for the for the DC universe. Me too. Um, I one thing uh yeah. I love that the Kents are alive again. 
Yeah. The Kent. Yeah. I love that his parents are alive again. And they go through the different versions, but I love that Jeff's version of Pa Kent's death is in here as a panel. Gary Frank did that art, and now he gets to redo it here. And but the panel is just like a, it's just a full shot, and it's um, uh, the 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 fence post, you know, because famously he like like if you remember the issue, the panel is just a wonderful callback to that oh, issue yeah. without Beautiful. being too explicit. Um, in its retelling, it's it's like that's I think like where it was worth waiting for Doomsday Clock to to come into play here. But so, but that's all in the last couple of pages of of Doomsday Clock. What about the rest yeah. of the story? Like, the rest you know, of did the story... I read twelve issues just to get to like a preview? That's kind of how I feel, honestly. I feel like I feel like most of the story didn't really keep me going for for a lot of it. It was sort of like, get ready, there's something coming. Get ready, there's something coming. Get ready, there's something coming. And then issue twelve was like, here's what you've been waiting for for two years. Mm-hmm. I, 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 in some ways, I wish they had done it in like six issues because um, I, I feel mm-hmm. like it was very decompressed. And and I don't know if they were grander designs uh, uh, at the start or, or whatnot, but it kind of feels like what everything you need to know kind of happens in issue one and issue 12. Yep, kind of like these are all the people. And uh, here, here you go. You so like I don't. Yeah, like I like when I finished 12 because I, re- I read them like I knew 12 was coming out on Wednesday. So I read one through 11 between Tuesday and Wednesday morning to like read 12 yeah, yeah uh and then and so when i read 12 i was like man what a great wrap-up and now i'm thinking like in retrospect i'm like i really loved what they said was coming like these new stories and i'm excited and all the thing but like doomsday clock itself it's well drawn it, it it's um it's i think it paced fairly well and the characters are interesting and whatever else but like not a lot happens and i was saying that when i was reading it in the first couple of issues like when they were coming out on time like I'm intrigued, but not a lot is happening, and I think that's fairly true for the whole story. Not a lot happens. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so on the whole, was it was it a thrilling series? Was it like a great read? I mean, not really. Like, it's not something I'd say you got to read this story. It's such a great story. It, yeah, I would it say read these last five up. pages. It sets things up. Yeah, exactly. The ending sets up some really exciting things. I mean. Here's what it is. I think issue 12 is where it's at. Issue 12 is my favorite issue of this of this whole series. I think it's a great... Issue 12 tells, tells a great story. But to understand mm-hmm. it, you got to read 1 through 11. Yep. Yep. If it was a TV series, and I was like, the season finale is the, is the, whole, is the whole thing, but you got to watch the whole season for it to make sense, I would kind of grade that as like, it's a bad show with a great finale. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. And so translating that to comics, I, if I'm being honest, even though it's about my favorite writer and, and all this stuff, it's kind of not a great series, but it has a fantastic ending that's like almost worth, almost makes up for. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think, I really think the intention of Doomsday Clock was quite different from where, where it ended up. Um, because I said like some characters get dropped and, you know, yes, like true. Marionette and Mime, um, are incredibly intriguing characters. Some of Jeff John's new greatest, newest characters and, and about issue six or so, they're just like, all right, that's we're moving on from them now. And then characters like black Adams, like taking over the UN and stuff. And I'm like, but like tell that story. Like, it's just like, so like in the corner from what's happening elsewhere uh, that I'm not really sure what I am looking at 
at this. But I like, am I supposed to be looking at? Yeah. So like looking at the metaverse or the new. I don't. So, yeah. So I don't know exactly what I'm looking at. I do really like that mime and Marionette are staying in the metaverse though, yes. because I I want to see more of their story. I really like them, and yeah. clearly Jeff likes them too, and he wants to s- see more with them as well. Yep, I really, I really do hope we see more of those characters. I, I agree, they were underserved, uh, and it seemed kind of strange to introduce them the way they did, and then just sort of take the foot off the gas with them. The Black Adam stuff too. I do, I, I definitely agree with you that things changed over the last two years with this story, and priorities shifted as to what they needed to focus on more. I think the the, the through line, if there is one, of this story is really Doctor Manhattan figuring out like what the meaning of life is right as as sort of as his his whole thing um mm-hmm. and and figuring out what the um nexus of the multiverse the metaverse is and figuring out in issue 12 that it's superman and that the moment where he's like and for the first time I'm inspired when he looks at superman um yeah kind of feels like almost like the the editorial team at, at DC um having an epiphany I felt that way with Rebirth. I feel that way with this, where it's sort of like they're coming back. Or I think they lost the thread of like why people enjoyed their characters mm-hmm. for a little bit there. Um, and I feel like they're coming back around to realizing what makes what sets DC apart and what makes it special. Yes, I I agree with that. And that's basically what this book is. It's a in a weird way, it's a love letter to this is what makes these characters special. Even if a lot of the characters that you love don't really show up and have a lot to do with anything, uh, they they're still um the super because superman is the apex i guess of all of these characters he represents all of them that's right in their inspiration and hope and so on and so on and so on so it i mean this like so like dc's been tweeting out this like this is our new timeline you know like wonder woman is like fought with the justice society so on and so on and that like gets its seeds planted here but then also in Justice League, you know, and so, so I don't know. There's still know. some fuzziness. Um, they still struggle to make it all, all the pieces fit together really perfectly. Mm-hmm. But this feels very much like the start of a new era, the start of some really exciting years ahead for, for, for comics reading. It feels like, remember when Green Lantern number one dropped that, that Jeff Johns wrote in like the first pages of the first issue, he, he says, he, the words blackest night appear. Yep. I remember. And it was like, if you read it at the time, it would have meant nothing. Like, oh, whatever. That, okay, whatever. You just see the phrase blackest night. You're like, oh, well, that's from the Green Lantern. Oh, mm-hmm. that's all it is. But clearly he was planting seeds back then in like 2005 or whatever, whenever he started that series, seven, mm-hmm. um, for blackest night that was going to happen like six, seven years later. Um, and maybe he didn't know it was going to happen, but he had the idea and it was percolating. And it feels like he's doing the same thing here more explicitly. Um, yeah, but is exciting. he is he going to be the one to write some of these things though? Because we said like you know like is he, is he just is he doing what J.J. Abrams did in Force Awakens mm. and he's like setting up these ideas and he's like maybe people will run with them maybe people won't but this but they're there. I think I think these ideas were approved by editorial and that this is like the, the like five G is as you just said is like mm-hmm. apparently unofficial thing. I think that this stuff the, this is the roadmap that's been approved, but like we know the. The mile markers, but we don't know what happens in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And he may not be because he's not technically employed by DC Comics. Anymore. No, he's a, I think he's he... a freelance writer like like he used to be. 
That's right. Because um, he's going to be over at Stargirl. Because he's he's producing, right. So right. he's employed by Warner Brothers. Right, but not by the comics division. That's right. So, yeah. But but honestly, like, as good as he is at some, like, this is his, this is his strength. Like, yeah. his, he is a writer. Like, he might be good at a lot of other things. I don't know. I've not met him. But, no, wait, no, no, I yeah, did meet him. We met him oh, together. Yeah, just kidding. We met him together. So, he's very nice. He's a very nice man. Very nice um, And I, but as, like, in the, in the schemes of the things we've seen him do and be given credit for, this is his biggest strength. Figuring out, he knows, like, like Dave Filoni knows what makes Star Wars and Kevin Feige knows what makes Marvel and whatever else. This, uh, Jeff Johns knows what makes DC. I couldn't have said it better myself. That is such a great comparison. Yeah. And, um, but, but maybe he's not so, but he knows, but he knows how to get that across in his comics more than I think he's allowed to get across in his other projects. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I think yeah. so too. He, he, that is his medium. And when he's writing more than when he's like, managing and overseeing like when he's actually the one writing it mm-hmm. is when it really shines when when he like architects it and someone else executes it it doesn't come across the same way no it, it's mm. really best when he does both when he's like yes. here's my idea do you approve it great i'm gonna go write it. yes yeah i agree but i think a, a lot of creatives that's that's pretty much the way yeah so it's funny when 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 we said like oh let's talk about doomsday clock i was jazzed i was like this book was great and now like now we're talking about it and i'm like this book was good this book like, was okay to me. I would give it okay. Yeah, but yeah, but I think the Gary. I think was like fantastic. It's tr- I think Gary Frank's art is a big, like a big selling point. True here, but I th- honestly I think that Tom King's use of the nine panel grid was better than uh, with his artists uh, on Batman and Mister Miracle than what we were looking at here in Doomsday Clock. Um, there was something really special about that that nine panel grid you have to the pacing is a huge part of comics and mm-hmm. the way the grids are laid out is how you would cut scenes together or you know to, and mm, yeah there was something about it just it was good but not not exact yeah uh here but anyway that's a fair I, criticism I, I, that's right i will say this 12th issue had a ton of beautiful splash pages that i want as like desktop wallpapers like there there's some mm-hmm. really standout stuff Re- super standout, and uh, but I actually what I really liked is that it took twelve issues to get to that point where you actually don't see splash pages. Watchmen does the same thing; you don't actually see big splash pages until the Squid, and so right. until Death you of see Superman these... did the same thing. Yeah, right, and so that's a that's a really nice that's a really nice technique, and uh, um, it's like it starts on the small scale and it grows and grows and grows via the nine via those panels. Um, and I, Dark Knight Returns doesn't do it exactly like that, but it it starts very small and escalates yeah. in its in its storytelling that way. It's all good, man. It's all good. Comics are great. Um, any last thoughts? I'm just happy that like I'm happy DC is writing is making stuff that I'm like excited about again. It, it was a few years there where I was not super jazzed, but I'm I'm excited again and I'm I'm enjoying things again and I'm I'm happy. I'm a happy reader. Well, moral of the story on that is that you should blame Dr. Manhattan for that. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. But yeah. I'm glad that he got inspired and, and figured it out. Me too. Man, I just love an inspirational Superman. It just gets me jazzed. Yeah. Like it inspires me. When Superman I, is, is firing at all cylinders, I feel like the whole universe does. The whole DC universe. It, yep. It's so true. It's so true. But 
Um, you can find us at beerwithgeeks.com, Gmail, Facebook, and Twitter. You can rate and review us on iTunes. Find us at other places podcasts can be found and patreon.com slash audio to check out all of our other Thought Bubble audio shows. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Frank, what a pleasure talking about comics. It's been a long time. It we has been talk too about, long. We should talk about comics more often, perhaps in the next year or so. Sounds good. We got a whole year ahead of us, buddy. We do indeed. So, until next time, cheers. Cheers. <laughs>